in a few moments here, we're going to get started in the book of Ephesians, okay? So if you have your Bible, uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. We want to, um, speaking for my wife and myself and for Sarah, again, just want to say thank you for lifting us up and praying for us. Um, it seems kind of strange to uh, to be here and not have to have a trip back to San Francisco on Monday or next Monday. Um, and thank you for even like your response here earlier. Um, we are uh, very grateful to God and, and we're very grateful for you, our church family. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and it's not over at all, but we're sure over a, a big, huge mountain in it, and we're um, just very, very grateful for you folks, and uh, you're asking about how she's doing, asking how we're doing, and uh, uh, so thank you. Uh, <laughs> love you too, and um, it's a joy to be here this morning. I um, I don't know how it's going to be. <laughs> I don't do well in San Francisco and studying, getting ready. But I, um, we want to uh, we want to press on here in regards to our study uh, with uh, in regards to the church, and um, uh, I, I introduced our married couple here uh, they were walking even during the service they were walking up and down the center aisle I, I don't know what happened yesterday that they just keep you know they did it yesterday and they, they did it during the service here <laughs> but um, you know it's always special to do a wedding ceremony um, but it, it, this is kind of ridiculous to say this but I want to say it for a point wouldn't it be ridiculous if, you know, here is even Tyler and Katie or any married couple that once they say their vows, then they kind of go off and have an occasional date here or there, an occasional phone call here and there, and it's like, what, but what did we just do? We, we had a wedding ceremony, and you gave your vows, and you exchanged your rings, and you made this commitment to join together as, as one, two people becoming one. That's what God says about marriage. And so it wouldn't be very special if that happened, would it? You know, it's not like uh, uh, we husbands come up with a, a different kind of a game plan and say, well, you know, um, it's, it's nice to uh, be married, and but I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go off and... and have some other plan. No, we, we don't do that. We need to grow together as a husband and wife. You know, we're, we're excited for Tyler and Katie. We're excited for Eric and, and Sarah. They'll get married in June. Um, you know, we're, I'm excited for our son Sam. Him and Kim get married in August. You know, it's, it's great. But as, as married couples... You know, you've been married uh, 
you know, a week, you, you know, there's work that needs to be done. And this thing called love is now not just a, a feeling. We talked about love being a feeling in Sunday school a little bit, you know. Love is now going to be action and work. Not that it's laborious, but it, it's, it's something that, you know, it is important to, right? Well, the reason I bring this up is because of what Paul uh, equates with the church. It's real easy to talk about here's this wedding and here's what marriages ought to be like because Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uses the relationship of marriage, husband and wife, to point out the church and the relationship of Christ and the church. Okay? So, when we, we come to this book of Ephesians, and it's a very simple understanding here, Ephesians 1 through 3 is all about doctrine. So that's, that's giving us the undergirding and the foundation for this understanding of chapters 3 through 6, I'm sorry, 4 through 6, being the, the practice. So here's, here's the doctrine given, chapters 1 through 3. And chapters 4, 5, and 6, here's the, the practice of, of the church and the way it's supposed to be. But here's, here's a concern that I have regarding uh, talking about the church. And um, you folks, God bless you. You know, you come regularly, uh, you know, every Sunday coming and joining together and preaching. But I, I need to say something that it might apply to you, it might not. It's a concern for everyone involved in pastoral ministry across the land. And that is this, that Christians don't marry the church. They kind of date the church. They don't marry the church. They kind of date the church. And that's our concern. And so we've come to this uh, tremendous book of Ephesians... And we're going to be, you know, taking this lesson here from Ephesians chapter 2 here this morning to try and understand God's idea about church. Now, I don't know what's cooking in your mind and what's brewing there right now because uh, some of the things that come up in our minds, you know, it's like, wait a minute, you just said marry the church? I don't think so. Because I've been burned by the church. So don't give me that line, Swenson. Marry the church. <laughs> because we know that there are, you know, here are people right in this room amongst many, many, many who have had an experience in church where they say, you know what? I'm done. At least I'm done with this church. I, I ain't come back. And there's a lot of things going on in our society and in our upbringing that bring about a, 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 a tendency to just, you know, kind of jump here and go here and go there. And, you know, um, there's, a, there's a new church in town, new pastor. Hey, go check him out, you know. I'm not saying to do that. I'm saying that tends to be things that can happen in this concern. So, 
God, the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, works in the life of uh, the Apostle Paul and has, here's this thing called inspiration, where Paul writes down the things that God wants Paul to write about the church. And we have it right here before us. And it's interesting to think, why didn't things just kind of stop after, you know, Acts chapter 2 or something, you know? Okay, the Holy Spirit came, the church got started, and off we go. Great. Why is it that we have all these other letters following Acts? Well, and why is it, you know, how come we have so much emphasis on Paul? What's the deal? And I mentioned this morning to the high school students that, uh, you know, I think God gave us the Apostle Paul to show us, you know, what all the teaching of Jesus looks like in an individual. And here is a man who is, who is on fire for Jesus Christ. And here we have this letter that talks about the church. And so we jump here into chapter 2. And I'd like to start at... Uh, we want to study verses 19 through 22. But I want to start reading earlier in this chapter. So follow along with me, please. Ephesians 2, verse 11. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly who formerly were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of the commandments, contained in ordinances, that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross. By it having put to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Heavenly Father, we, we just bow right now to ask for your blessing on the preaching of your word. Please guide in this time, Lord. Have your way in our lives. Lord, do your good work for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, here is this story where there are pictures given. It's like, here, here, here comes Paul, and he's going to open a, a portrait 
book, like a, a picture album of the church. And he wants you and I to see these pictures, images, if you will, of the church. Now, here's, here's a little bit of the problem. And I've, I've uh, wrestled with this myself. I, I know I have um, had this difficulty in my own life where I think of, as I read, I think of it more of an individual issue of myself. And that's really important, but that's not the main point of what we're reading here in Ephesians. What we're reading about is the church. But all too often, Christians can think it's, it's just about me, individual. And we've got to think in terms of, in, in kind of a dual way. Yes, it affects you as an individual, and it ought to encourage you and it ought to stimulate you regarding life in Christ. But at the same time, just as important, it's about us as a church. Okay? So don't lose that. And so he brings these little uh, photographs in, if you will. Um, and I'm sorry I didn't bring the grandma and grandpa photo book in for our little grandchild. But uh, that'll be another time. But here, God brings us some photographs for us to, to study and, and consider. And first of all, and you can follow along in your outline, it's the kingdom. Number one is God's kingdom. Okay? God's kingdom. Now, we've been brought in. We've been brought in by the, the, the work of you, me, the work of us being a good church. No, the, the perfect perfected work of Christ at the cross. Okay? That's what we read. That's why we read this section earlier. Verse 13. In Christ you were formerly far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ, his sacrifice at Calvary on your behalf. So by a blood sacrifice, you've been brought near, if you believe. If you have, if you have faith in Christ. That's, that's the issue of uh, the atonement. Okay? And that's the issue of, of redemption. Okay? You were bought with a price. What was that price? The blood of Christ. You were bought. And now here you are. You're placed into this body, into his church. And verse 19, we pick it up there. It says, so then, referring back to, here, here's all the things that he just mentioned. These things that he, you've been reconciled to God through Christ in the cross. And he says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens. Okay? You're no longer strangers and aliens. Most all of us have no clue of what it would mean to finally get citizenship in America. Be why? Because we're, we're born with it. We, we just grew up figuring, hey, you know, here I am. I have my citizenship. I'm an American, right? No big deal. But for those that have gone through the process and gained their citizenship, that's a great joy. That's a great accomplishment for them. But even more importantly, here we are, Christians, no longer strangers and aliens. Now those two words, strangers and aliens, there's a distinction there between them, just a slight one. Strangers just is a matter of being a foreigner. Plain, simple foreigner. You're a foreigner. Alien 
is like, here's a, a resident foreigner. Okay, there, that's the little distinction there between the two. A foreigner, an a alien is the, the foreigner living in the land. But both of them convey being on the outside. They're not in God's kingdom. They're on the outside. They don't possess the same rights as the legal citizens. Um, you don't really belong. If you, you know, you don't have the same rights. And remember, the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, and he, he pleaded on behalf of his Roman citizenship. He, he used that trump card, right? And, and they say, oh, we didn't know you were a Roman citizen. Well, what happens? He was let, let go, right? And so it has that, that emphasis there for us that here now in God's kingdom... Being fellow citizens, it says. You are fellow citizens. And really, there's no, um, there's no uh, like, uh, ranking here in God's kingdom. There is our king, but being, he, he's saying fellow citizens. And you're fellow citizens with the saints. No one gets the special treatment. Okay? You enjoy the rights as a citizen in his kingdom. He's the king. And what happens now that you're a part of his kingdom? Being in Christ, you're part of his kingdom, and you are protected by the king. You know that? There's provisions for you as a citizen of the kingdom, and you're protected by the king. So... Um, take a look over it. Uh, keep your finger there in Ephesians 2 and, and turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2. I know that you who have been studying with uh, the Sunday school class in the fellowship hall, Mike Parrish leading that class, you in the past have gone through uh, 1 Peter and 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 9. Peter uses the same kind of thinking the same uh, motif here but you are a chosen race you're a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for God's own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light for you were once not a people but now you are the people of God you've received mercy right I'm sorry, you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as, there it is again, aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Now right there, you could have a whole other message about how kingdom living ought to happen. Abstain from fle fleshly lusts. Okay? And so the idea is that you were once not a people being outside of Christ, now because of his, his sacrifice, his work at the cross, now you are in his kingdom. And you are a benefactor of all the, the blessings that come from being in his kingdom. Alright? What's the privilege of, the, of being in God's kingdom? It's citizenship. Citizenship. 
All right. Number two, this, the next picture, back to Ephesians. Number two, let's keep reading here in verse 19. You are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Number two, God's household. So we go from a kingdom now to a household. And what's the, what's the privilege now? Well, the privilege with the kingdom is citizenship. What's the kingdom, uh, what's the kingdom, or, or, I'm sorry, what's the, the privilege now under number two? Being of God's household, it's the privilege of belonging. Now it, it goes from the, this idea that this big kingdom now to a family. You're part of God's family. It's not just kind of like you're just another uh, citizen out there of the many, many, many thousands or hundreds of thousands. Now you're a part of his family. That's, that's the picture that God wants to, for you to see from kingdom to household. So it gets more personal here of God's household. It's more intimate. One's, I, you know what happens in a family? A lot of things, but identity is drawn up. A, a child's identity is made within a family, Right? see it now on a on a physical level we we look around and we say oh well, <laughs> you're the nicely family and you're the vanderstool family just the way it is yeah there it is there's the look right the Reavy family it, it's it there it is and you see it you we're really good at identifying and not just the looks but also the behavior right oh boy you had to mention that, huh? <laughs> but the behavior, it, it's, it's, here's the appearances, the looks, the physical features, and the, and the behavior. I have to just add this really quick. I, I, I've mentioned it in the past. Um, my mom and dad, long, long ago, were foster parents, and one of the little babies we ended up adopting. And um, so when I was in high school, I was learning how to change his diapers, helping my mom out in that way and now luke is um my brother he's like 40 years old and he towers over me and he's just big and strong and all and um uh, when luke was about 18 years old his birth mom wanted to meet him and you know we we gathered together we were at a family uh, reunion back in minnesota and the day came, the moment came, and here comes the mom out of the car, and they start talking, and you see some physical resemblances. But after a while, we're standing around, and here the mom and Luke are doing the same kind of um, physical gestures and, and just standing around the, the place, the picnic tables we're standing on. There's the, here's these same gestures going on, right? And it was easy to see. There's mom. There's the birth mom. And here's the, here's the son. You see, God wants to accomplish his image of Christ in you. You're, you're a part of God's kingdom. You're a citizen of the king. But now, he's saying now it, it gets more focused. Now you're, you're a part of his family. And being a part of your family, the identity factor starts growing and, and being more identifiable, if I can use that term. 
that you are in his family. Okay? So, sense of family is much stronger than a sense of national pride, isn't it? We understand that. Okay? So, even when kids leave and go to college, but this year's group isn't going to leave, right? You're going to stay here? I don't think so. But, you know, when, when the kids, they, they graduate from high school, and it's like, they are on track, they're out of here. But you know what happens? I know what happens. They get out of here, and if they leave, they eventually, they, they will adopt a family wherever they go to, right? They'll try and adopt some kind of a, a family network of some sort. Why? Is belonging. And that's the picture that God wants us to see. Is that the, here's this belonging to his family. Right? And we are excited for our seniors that are moving on. It's a great group. A great group. Well, that brings us to the third photograph. The third picture that God would have us to see. Let's go back to Ephesians 2 and we keep reading. And you are of God's household, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building, now he shifts, he shifts the, the, the picture, if you will, to here's this building, but what kind of building? It's a holy temple in the Lord, right? A holy temple in the Lord. And notice it's, it's saying, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. So it's not that complicated. It, it is a, a procession, if you will, a, a, a progression, and more of a focus as we go from kingdom to God's household, and number three, God's temple. And what's the privilege here? The privilege goes from, here's the privilege of citizenship to the privilege of belonging to now the privilege of participating. Okay? And, and the, the picture that we have here is that it's what Peter uses also, the, the idea of living stones. Okay, living stones. And that's what's happening. And all too often we get the picture mixed up. We think it's, it's a building and, uh, you know, we can sit back and look at it and say, wow, it's, it's really great here at this church or at this church where they have such great worship or whatever. But you know what that boils down to? People who are involved in participating. That's what the church is. Okay? And so, here's the thing. It comes down to people who say that they are believers in Jesus Christ. And as soon as you declare that, there's an automatic... It goes right to the idea that you are in the body of Christ. You are in the church. Okay? And this is where it gets a, a, a bit challenging for pastors or 
um, uh, people that are already really involved in, in trying to help others understand the importance of being a part, being fitted together as a temple. You are a living stone if you're a believer. You're a living stone, and God wants to fit you into his building plan. Okay? And that goes, that takes us back again to, to uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. And Paul's saying that in verses 4 and 5, that you're living stones. Okay? Living stones. So, the question is, where are you being fitted in? And is, is that all on me that I have to, you know, help you get fitted in? Or is that a part of you looking to how you can fit in and be a part of the ministry of God's church? Now you say, well, you know, I mean, are, what are you talking about? The universal church? I mean, everywhere? No, I'm saying here's the representation of his church right here. At Parkside Bible Fellowship. And yes, there are other representations of his universal church, you know, involved here in, in this valley, in this community. But we're talking about you being fitted in. And you know what he's saying is it's in the old days where they were building buildings with those big stones. Those big stones were carved or however they did that hewn out of the rock and placed together you can read about it in first kings when solomon went and made the temple okay the idea was that those those stones were slid right into place and what were they put into one thing lined it all up what was that one thing that lined it all up the cornerstone and I need to line up to the cornerstone. It's a sure cornerstone. It's a straight cornerstone. And so you line up to the cornerstone if your life plugged into his church where you say, you know, I'm a member, I'm, I'm a believer, so therefore I am a member of his church. Okay? And it's a part of being so tight and so, you know, put together that you, you look like, there it is. It's one building. It's not, you don't look at the building and say, oh, look at all those stones in there. You look at it and say, oh, look at that building. And the building is people, right? It's people put together by God, by His Spirit. Okay? Coming together in that way. So, if you're following along on the outline, you can turn your page over and uh, we'll consider some things we'll consider some practical things here it's a challenge considering um, it's a challenge for considering my own commitment to his church okay considering my own commitment to his church and um, I, under, I mean I, I readily uh, admit and and thank God for so many that are involved in his church here in Fallon, here at Parkside. I, I thank God for that. But, you know what? 
we've got a long ways to go, folks. We've got a long ways to go in, you know, having more and more involved and more and more committed in this way. I realize that what this does, it, it does put a, a, a challenge back to us as leaders, to us as elders, and, and then the deacons. But all too often, we have people that um, just come and go, come and go. And there's not a commitment to saying, I, I need to get involved. I need to be, you know, this is, is, is this my church? Is this my church? And am I, you know, doing something to show here, here's my involvement. Here's how I want to be used of God in his ministry. So it starts with this dual exhortation. Again, on the back of your outline, you can see it. The dual exhortation is to you, first of all, as a living soul. You, and I, I mean that in, in the sense of you've been redeemed. You've been uh, regenerated, regenerated by the Holy Spirit. You've been redeemed through the purchase of Christ at the cross. You've been reconciled. All those things. Saying, you're a living soul. God, God saved you. Okay? If that's where you're at, okay? The second parallel challenge comes right away. There's no break in it. And it is you as a living stone. Right? A living soul and a living stone. And there, it, the difference is, is obviously what we just said. You are being slid into place in the building. And what is the building? The temple. The dwelling place of God. See, I could take the attitude that, well, I'm a believer and I really like to go out and worship. Um, in fact, I worship um, all the time especially out in, in creation. Well, that's good. And that can be done. But are you a living stone slid in with the other stones in his church? Okay? That's the challenge that we have, that we face as a, as a congregation. As a living stone, it means you're ready to get chiseled down some. We don't like that necessarily. We don't like to get chiseled down on by, by others that we rub up against. But that's what's happening with the stones. They're being slid in amongst others. And God would want to shave it down some so that it fits all together. And it's a beautiful temple of worship. Okay, the work that God accomplishes so that he then can dwell which he does, he's there in the midst of you and I as believers and in the midst of our praises and he would be glorified. So, you see these five uh, little questions here. I can't do a whole lot of commenting on them. It's really so that you might go and talk about it and challenge yourself or talk about it within your family. Number one, does your life evidence kingdom privileges? That gets back to being a citizen of the king, or of the, in the kingdom. How does your life evidence citizenship in his kingdom? You know, with all that's happening in our country, you know, folks are getting all, you know, the hair on their back is raising up, right? About 
here's what's happening, you know, the job losses and all, the economy and all this. And, you know, folks are, you know, putting their foot down and, and making a statement, right? About what's happening in our country, with our nation, with our people. You hear much about that with God's kingdom? What can I do? I, I want to I I do this for God, for my king. Is there a pattern of obedience and submission in your life to the king? Do you see that? Are, are you seeing that? Um, are you trying to develop that with your children? Okay. Um, do, you, do you know that you have the access to the throne room? <laughs> We're citizens of the king, and he's in the throne room. Nothing moves him off his throne. Do you have access to his throne? Yeah, you do. As a Christian, yes, you do. We read it this morning. It's in Ephesians 2. We have access because of Christ and His shed blood. In the book of Hebrews, it says that we can come boldly before His throne. So, kingdom privileges, how does it evidence in my life? Well, what kind of prayer life are you having? You know, being a part of our prayer time on, on, on the midweek. Okay? Number two, do you have a close personal connection within his church as like with a family? Are you being identified as uh, more and more with God's family? Is that what people see? Or are you still more identified with the world and what the world has? What the world offers? And that gets back to what I said before about identifying our kids you know, we can do that. So think about that for yourself. Challenge yourself in this way. Do you have a close personal connection within his church family? You know, a lot of times people say, you know, we, we'll see them and they'll come back to church and, and it's like, well, I, gee, I've been in the hospital for two months. And the pastor's sitting there, uh, uh, oh, I didn't know. I mean, and sometimes it, it's, it's something I have to step up in and do a better job. But other times it's because what? There's not been a close personal connection within his church. Being able to connect with people and say, you know what? Yes, Mark Robertson and his mother, we want to continue to lift them up in prayer. Tom and Nancy Crawford, we want to continue. Why? Here they are. They're trying to be plugged in to the church. Have a close personal connection just like a family. Okay? Looking like you belong. Okay? Number three, is your life built on one foundation? Or is your marriage built on one foundation? You say, oh, of course. Is it? Stop and think about it. Am I really, is my life built on one foundation? The cornerstone, Jesus Christ. Or do I just kind of jump here and jump there and kind of go with the, the winds of the times? Challenge yourself in this. The more you have uh, other foundations that you stand on, the more trouble you'll find yourself in. If you're a true believer, what you're doing is opening up the door to all sorts of idolatry. Ask yourself, am, is today a day where I'm, I'm standing on the rock, I'm standing on the foundation? And we sing all sorts of songs about it today. The solid rock, Jesus, you're my firm foundation. 
Okay, number four. Would others describe you as a worshiper or lover of God? Is that what others can start seeing in you? I, and I'm not trying to say in a perfect way. No, come on. I'm just trying to bring that forth as a thought, as a, something to consider. Do others look at me and say, he loves God or she loves God? How does that get developed in your life? Spending time in the Word. Spending time with Jesus. Okay. Or, under number four here, should we ask, is there another affair going on in your life? Right? Is there another affair going on in your life? That's why God called Israel to say, you're in adultery. What was he saying? To the people of Israel, they were entertaining idols. And God called it adultery. I get them mixed up there. Idolatry, adultery. But God called it spiritual adultery. What about us, Christians? Is there another affair going on with something else? Idol worship is a very powerful culprit it's a very sneaky thing because we can attend church and yet still be idolaters we can you know be attending church but you know what we've got to think folks let's stop thinking attending church let's be the church right let's be the church stop thinking that i'm attending church let's be the church and let's know what God says about his church. Here's his kingdom. Here's his household. Here's the temple. Are you a part of it? Okay. So that last one, number five. What can you do to improve your marriage with Christ's church? Is there anything you can do? I mean, it might start in little ways. You know, I, I, I see Mark. And Mark, I know, has now kind of jumped in on this committee for the kitchen remodel. That's a, that's a nice addition there. And it, it might be you, you know, saying, I, I'm going to show up at the nursery training session. I'll, I'll help out there. I'm not doing anything else kind of thing. Well, that's a, that's a beginning. It's a start. Okay? We are, we are kind of opening up the doors here for all sorts of discussion on different issues about our church. We, we spent time in the past, uh, earlier this year, talking about what a healthy church looks like, okay? And there's really nothing greater in my thinking that we would truly be a congregation here at Parkside Bible Fellowship that holds forth Jesus Christ first and foremost and his gospel message. If that shifts, we're in deep, bad trouble. And so we've got to maintain... First and foremost, high school group, we said it this morning, right? For to me, to live is Christ. Right? And that we then hold forth and be ready with the gospel message to share it. You know what? The more we can do that, the stronger we'll be as a, as a congregation in this community. And then, there's... Um, I don't know how it's going to lay out here, but because uh, I haven't really worked it over in my brain. But eventually, what we want to do, the elders, speaking for the elders here, what we want to do 
is be able to um, uh, bring forth again our um, little application that we have, application for, or uh, I'm sorry, agreement to membership. Agreement for membership or fellowship. I can't remember the exact label that they had. What was it, Michael? Agreement to fellowship. And um, we want to represent that to the folks. It's been 10 plus years probably since we've had one out. We want to be able to establish and have a membership class. And that we, we can have it maybe a small group kind of a thing. And say, you know, okay, first group's in and they're out in a few weeks. And then another group comes in and we go through and say, what does it mean to be a, a member? And it's not that, you know, if you're not a member, you can't attend here. And we're not saying that. We don't want to enforce some really strict thing, but we somehow have to get back to what God's saying about his church. And nowhere does it say, thou shalt sign this paper in the scriptures to be a member of this church. We're not saying that. But there's still the issue of, you know, pastoring, leading, shepherding, and and your responsibilities in it too as, as people who are, are coming faithfully and giving faithfully. We thank God for that. But as we come to our closing prayer time, I just want to encourage you, let those images sink in about what church is. Because that's, that's the context here. God's saying, Here's, the, here's this, this is a, you're, you're now, you're no longer a stranger and alien, you're now a fellow citizen. You're in the kingdom. And you're in God's household. And you're a part of these living stones being put together as a building for, for what? For our good pleasure? No, no, no. For his dwelling. For the praise and glory of God. What a joy is ours as we look to his word for the answers about church. I know many, many of you, you, you can say truly, I, I have been burned at church in the past. And some of that is legitimate and some of it might not be legitimate. But the point is, let's look at the word of God and say, this is what he's intended for this congregation and let's approach it with humility let's approach it with resolve to say I'm with you let's stand together for the closing time here. let's there's a set of psalms called the songs of ascent and it was for the people of Israel as they came together and went up to Jerusalem and they would share these songs with each other as they went. And I give you just a portion of one of them, Psalm 127. We, we want to see God blessed. We want to see God honored. We want to see success in a spiritual way, in a good sense, for God's glory. But listen to what one of the psalms says, Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. 
Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. So we, we want to be looking to him, to Jesus. He's the cornerstone. He's the head of the church. Let's bow before him now. Thank you, O oh God.